You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode number 156, and today we're going to talk about how food affects your mood. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast, and as always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. Before we get into today's show, which is all about how food affects our mind, and specifically how food is attributed to anxiety and what we can do about it, I do have a few announcements that I want to get into. First up, I have a brand new guide that goes along with this podcast series on the mind, and it's called The Joy Experiment. If you haven't picked it up or downloaded it, you must go over to my website and grab that. It's completely free, but it really does take all of this information that you're learning here on the show and it puts it into practical application where you can break it down and start using it in your own life. Because I have one passion and it's that I wouldn't just be another person here on the web just pumping out loads of information, but that I would be helping you to make it practical into your own life. Because knowledge without action, it doesn't do a lot for us, right? And so we need to put that action behind it. And that's what I hope this guide helps you do. Again, you can find that in the show notes at simperitswellness.com backslash 156, or just head on over to simperitswellness.com and click on the joy experiment. I hope you love it. It's semi-long and it's gonna take some time, but carve out some time to set aside to really work on that and go through it and start to develop this healthy mindset because it does matter. And we're gonna be learning more and more about why it matters all summer long. So stay tuned, use that, continue to work on that all summer as we go through this podcast series. The other announcement I have is that Monday Motivation Podcasts are live. I hope you're loving them as much as I am. I played around with a lot of different ideas when it came to Monday motivation, but really my heart behind it is just to give you that encouragement, like that encouragement to continue on. Because what I'm learning and what I am really diving into in my own life is that we are people who are good at starting things. We're not so great at finishing things, right? When things get hard in the middle, when they're not going as planned, it's hard to stick to something. And that's why we have the shiny object syndrome, where there's another new diet or another Another new program or another new fill in the blank. And it's easy to think, okay, that must be my solution and to ditch whatever you started. But here's the real deal is that nothing happens overnight. Nothing changes quickly. And all of this, especially lasting health, it's going to take time. So I hope that money motivation is that place where you can come to understand that any change is good change and to stay the course, to stay in your lane, to stick with it, and to keep going. And I hope you're enjoying those as much as I am. So if you have any comments, if you wanna see something different, please reach out to me, let me know what you're thinking about those. And last thing, before we get started with the show, don't forget to check out the blog where I have more information on every single show. So make sure you head on over there. There's additional information, resources that you're gonna wanna find, and all the other episodes in these series. So check that out always at simperancewellness.com backslash followed by the episode number. So this is simperancewellness.com backslash 156. Okay, that's it for announcements today. Today, we're diving into how does food affect your mood? Now, I've been getting a lot of questions about this because I think people over the course of the podcast have been learning how awareness can help shape them, right? That we need to be aware of 
the mindset shifts that we have or the stories that we tell ourselves or how different lifestyle practices are affecting the way we feel. And so we have this awareness component, which I just love. And I think that that is one of the most foundational aspects of health and something that I want to teach my children about health. Like if I teach them nothing else about health, it's just to be aware of their body and how they're feeling. But now as I've been teaching this, I've been getting more questions about this idea that food seems to be affecting the way people feel. It seems to be affecting the way that their mind is working and the mood that they portray. Yes, there are foods that can make you quote unquote grouchy. I've lived this. Like, this is my own story. This is the story that tends to kind of run through my family history is this idea that there are certain foods that can make a person happy or can make a person extremely grouchy, irrational, irritable, and all the things that you don't want to be. So today we're going to talk about how that happens, why it happens, and to prove that, yes, Food can definitely affect your mind. And then we're going to go back in and I'm going to give you some ways that you can fix this or help heal your brain so that these negative occurrences that have happened in the past don't happen again. And also to go back in and heal and allow your brain and your mind to thrive. But before we get there, I do want to tell you that this was not the intended episode for today. Today, my idea was to have this full, complete mindset diet laid out for you. Now, I want to tell you this because the reason it didn't happen is because I feel like I'm just not quite there yet. Like it's coming, it's almost there, but I just can't quite put my finger on those last few things that are so critical to this idea of wellness. And the reason I don't think I can put it on is because I've spent so much time focusing on what I should tell you that I haven't taken it into account in my own life. And so I really feel like I just need to take some time on my own to really experience what it means to heal, what this idea of the mindset diet looks for me, and then to share what I'm learning with you. So I know that I teased that last week, and I just want to be honest with you. This is a journey from as much for me as it is for you and what my desire is and the place that I want to be at before I share with you what I feel like the mindset diet is or what I feel like this new way and this new path and real healing comes from is I have to live it. Like it has to be so much a part of me that it just overflows out of me and I'm just not quite there yet. And I think, like I said, is that I've been so focused on putting out and what I can give to you and teaching you that I forgot that I need to do this myself, that I also need to heal and work on myself. So that's just an honest confession. And I think that there is a lot to that. And while today I'm going to talk specifically about diet, you all know that I believe it's so much more than that and that I don't want this show to be another crutch for you. What I mean by that is I don't want this show to be just another thing you think you have to do to try and chase healing because we can't chase it. Like we'll never seek it if we're not comfortable with where we are now. Now, I know that's a tricky game to play when we start talking about mental health because there's a whole host of other things that are going on in our minds that are hard to get ourselves out of, like this pit that's hard to get out of. And while I can't say that I've been clinically depressed or clinically anxious, what I can tell you is that I've lived with people who are, and I've also experienced bouts of depression myself. And I would say that almost any human has at some point, right? We all know what it feels like to be anxious or to have depressive thoughts from different points in our life. Some are more severe than others, and I never want to diminish how severe that can get. But I do want you to hear me out and to tell you that while today I'm giving you ideas that could help, 
I don't, again, want this to be a crutch of another thing that you just cling to, chasing, hoping, wishing that it's that quick fix. Because I don't think there's one earthly thing that can fix everything. I don't think it's just about nutrition. And I definitely don't think it's just about exercise, right? It's, it's a multifaceted approach. And that looks different for everyone. Interestingly, is that when we pull this back into anxiety and depression, what we know is there are not two identical cases of anxiety or depression. That everyone's neurotransmitters and patterns in their mind are different and everyone reacts with different symptoms, with different thoughts and mindsets. There are no two identical cases of anxiety or depression. They are completely unique, which means this has to be a unique approach. And if anyone tells you otherwise, It's false. It can't be. And that's what makes studying the mind so complicated and why researchers are really struggling to really understand this is because every single human is different. So today I'm going to break down the basics and I'm going to give you some ways and help you understand why food can affect your mood and then what we can do about it on the other side, because this has created great change in my life. And what I hope is that that this can give you the energy and the brain space then to wrap your mind around all the other lifestyle components that also need to come into play to help you heal. Because I think while I talk about digging deep and coming to emotions and changing your story, sometimes changing your story is so difficult when we're so fatigued and our mind is in such an irrational place that we can't even grasp it. And I know that's my mind on wheat. Like, I'll just be honest. Every bit of me is irrational when I consume wheat. There's nothing rational about myself, making the stories I tell myself nearly impossible to become positive. And so while I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg situation, like what comes first, I really believe that if we can start focusing on some of the food, knowing it has power in our mind, then maybe it will open up the space in our mind and the energy in our mind to then come in and change other areas, to go deep, to let go of some of the past emotions that we're carrying around and, and really free ourselves from that. So maybe we don't have to constantly live in this vicious cycle of anxiety, less anxiety, more anxiety, depression, you know, like the whole triad of things that are going on. So that's my hope. And I hope that you understand that. So No, this summer at the end of the mindset series, my goal is to have the mindset diet laid out for you here and ready for you to do that. So that's going to be another free guide that's coming at the end of the summer. But for now, dive into the joy experiment. And as I work through this in myself, committing, I'm committing to you right now that I am going to take this on myself and put a focus back on what is actually working for me, because I don't think I can fully teach and understand what is going to work for you if I can't understand what's working for me. So I wanted to lay that out. Now, I've also mentioned to get started in this mindset series is that food has had a huge impact on my mood. Like I said, Alexa on wheat is the most irrational human being you will ever meet. There's nothing rational about me. And and as much as I don't want this to be true, it is absolutely certain. And I'm not the only one. This this tends to run in my family. My sister is the exact same way. I like to think she is much worse than I am, um, is that wheat greatly affects her mind. And what happens is this like out of body experience that I can't really explain. And it's definitely gotten worse over the years. And so it's this out of body experience of I feel like I know I'm not being happy. I'm not being a positive person. And I'm definitely not fun to be around. Very snappy, very anxious, very fearful of different things. And yet at the same time, I can't seem to pull myself out of that until like another night's rest. My sister's the same way, only hers affects hers much later. So she... (laughs) She, we always joke that if 
my sister's having a bad day, her husband will say, well, she must have had wheat 13 days ago. It, it does. And that's what's so fascinating about this is that everyone's going to react a little bit differently. While mine tends to be the next day, hers tends to be a couple days down the road is when it really builds and gets really bad. Now, I'm not saying that all of us are going to react to foods in that way, but I am telling you, the longer I've cut out gluten, if I do expose myself, the worse this mindset is. And I think it's just, again, that warning signal to your body of, hey, you haven't been doing this. We've been doing really well, and I don't like it. Like, this isn't healthy for me. And I think that's what's so awesome about the body. I know it's annoying, but have you ever wondered, like, the cleaner you eat, then if you splurge or you have something that you normally don't eat, like you almost feel worse than you ever had before. And you question, like, I feel like I should be healthier. And yet food is reacting more strongly in me. That's because that's the reaction or the awareness component of your body saying, hey, we're doing really well. And I have the energy to tell you that this is not okay, And so I'm going to tell you it. It's actually a really good sign that your body is working really well. The stronger the awareness the healthier your body tends to be. And I think it's when we live in this pit of uh, of why it's easy to cycle into this junk food lifestyle is because we don't even understand really how bad it's making us feel. I think it's really hard until you get yourself out of it to recognize how that's actually making you feel. So today, again, we're talking about how food affects our mood. And I shared my story that there are things in my life that I know greatly affect my mood. Wheat or gluten is the one thing that I definitely recognize affecting my mood. Now, dairy has an effect on my body as well, but I feel like that's more pain related, more inflammation in my joints. However, that same inflammation that's inside my body is also inside my brain. So it's definitely working. It's just not making me quite as irrational as wheat is. So why is this happening? I think that's the big question everyone wants answered. To start with, let's go back to the basics of how our brain actually works. Because once we understand how it's working or what we know about how it's working, then we can start to understand and see why anxiety is creating these fires in our brain and how foods that we eat are actually igniting more fires. So like I said, the mind is a really sophisticated thing. We're, we're just starting to touch our toes into how the mind works. But what we know is each individual is different. So what happens in our brain is that we have these electrical impulses and these neurons. And how our body communicates or how our brain communicates in our nervous system is that these neurons send out electrical impulses to communicate with something else. Now, when we think of electrical impulses, it is technically like a volt of electricity. And I don't think we always think about it this way, right? We think it's all these chemicals and all these other things. And I feel like depression commercials had just made it seem like this big imbalance. But I'm going to describe it in a different way that I heard. And I think it was really helpful to understand the power of different circumstances happening inside our brain. So rather than thinking about it as a disturbance, which you could technically kind of link that in, I want you to think about it as an electrical current. Because an electrical current seems so much more powerful than a disturbance to me or a chemical disruption. And so what happens in our brain is that when it communicates, one neuron is going to send out electrical impulse to another neuron. Now you have all these neurotransmitters and uh, electrolytes and minerals and even glucose that are going to be used as a buffer to to shield this electrical impulse, making sure that it goes in the right direction without damaging anything else around you. 
Think of about it as a lightning bolt. So this lightning bolt from one neuron to another neuron is going to go off. And if we don't have the shield around that electrical impulse, the heat of that is going to cause damage other places. Like think if there was no shield, like if you were outside in a thunderstorm rather than inside your house and a bolt of lightning struck down, if you were not inside your house, you would feel the heat of that. Like you would feel the current of that. But if you're inside your house, you have this protective barrier where the lightning essentially can't hurt you. And so what happens with anxiety specifically is that these electrical impulses, these electrical shocks or these lightning bolts are starting to go off in your brain. And the more thoughts we have, like this overwhelming fear, they just continuously fire, fire and fire and fire and fire, creating massive amounts of heat. And what that heat starts doing is starting to damage the brain tissue around and starting to dismantle all the neurotransmitters and electrons and minerals and, like I said, the glucose that really creates the shield or this house, therefore creating the damage, right? Then your whole body is going to start to feel the heat of that. And that's where anxiety stems from. So it's basically out-of-control thoughts built in fear that create this fire inside your brain. Now, there's two ways that food can affect us. One is that if we're not eating right, then our body can't create the right structure to protect our brain from these electrical impulses. So meaning if we don't eat right and we're deficient, we don't have a house to keep ourselves safe from the lightning bolts that are happening inside our brain. Then the heat is just exposed to all areas of our brain creating damage and excess inflammation. And excess inflammation leads to cortisol and hormonal imbalance. And you can start to see how this entire cycle just cascades and snowballs out of control, which makes your anxiety worse and all the things, right? The more heat that we have happening inside of our brain without protection is creating more damage. It's creating more frustration, more anger, more irritability, brain fog, not being able to think right or connect the dots. Your body kind of gets chaotic and scattered. Things just don't work well. And you know that if you've ever lived in anxiety. Things stop working. There can be crazy pains in other places, irrational thoughts, intense fear, nightmares, inability to sleep. All these things are happening, and some believe it's just due to this excess heat that's happening. And again, that could just be because of a lack of nutrients. So if we're not eating the right foods, then that could affect our mood because we don't have the health structure to keep our brain safe from the heat of electrical impulses. On the other hand, what could be happening is what we see with things like wheat or gluten or dairy or eggs or other what we would call high inflammatory causing foods is they're essentially stimulating inflammation. And this inflammation is sending out an immune response, which is making our blood-brain barrier more permeable. So it's allowing things that shouldn't pass through to get into our brain, causing disturbances inside of these neurons or inside of the shield. So that's where you see on the commercials this kind of scattering of neurons so that these chemical messengers can't do the job that they're supposed to do. But it's kind of scattering that, and so you no longer have a sturdy house structure to keep you safe from the fire of those electrical impulses. So that's the second way that food could be affecting it. Now, there are a lot of other ways that food could be affecting it, um, and that's really mostly linked back to how food is affecting our gut. And we know that our gut, determines how well our brain is. And there's this big linkage back and forth between our gut and brain access. You've probably cared about it. Um, And even talking about serotonin and how 
95% of all serotonin is produced in our gut. And we know that serotonin is linked to anxiety and depression or not enough of it is linked to anxiety and depression. I'm not certain that I actually believe that. Uh, I've heard enough conflicting evidence that serotonin really doesn't have an impact in our mood to make that much of a difference. Like I'm not going to sit here and say it's a serotonin issue. And the reason I say that is because serotonin's number one job is peristalsis, which is gut movement and, you know, like moving food through your GI tract and then eliminating it. I'm just not a big believer that serotonin has that much impact on our mood. However, we do know that a bad or faulty gut does have an impact on our mood. So there could be a correlation there through that. But I'm just not stuck on the fact that it's that. However, I do believe that our gut microbiome and the health of our gut microbiome is directly related to the health of our brain. And what's fascinating is, is there's new research that is showing how healthy or how permeable our gut is. So the more unhealthy and the more permeable our gut is, allowing particles to pass through that shouldn't pass through, it's directly related to how permeable our blood-brain barrier is. So some want to believe that the more unhealthy our gut is equates to an unhealthy blood-brain barrier, meaning that particles can get into our brain that should not be getting in, causing disturbances, interference, inflammation, and all the things. And so when we fix our gut, does that mean then we can fix our blood-brain barrier and make it less permeable? Because that's what we want. In both cases, we want a really thick protective barrier that only lets in what needs to get in and nothing more. Unfortunately, though, our GI systems are just faulty, right? Like a lot of us are having problems with a permeable intestinal wall, and it does cause gases and undigested particles and full proteins to get into our bloodstream, which are reacting as an immune response. So that's another reason why we can see that food is affecting our brain. And the last reason that I want to bring up And these are all really linked together because when we start to talk about how you can heal from it, it's really all the same thing that affects all these different categories. But the last thing that I want to bring up is epigenetics, and it's how our DNA is expressed based on our lifestyle choices. So what's fascinating about this is that while you might be predisposed to anxiety or depression, it doesn't mean that you are going to have it. What affects what genes are expressed, so even if you're a carrier of the gene, what affects what genes are expressed, meaning what genes are being activated, boils down to how our lifestyle influences are affecting that. So it's going to boil down to how, how much we're sleeping, how our relationships are, this whole lifestyle component, our spirituality, also what foods we're consuming and how much exercise we're getting. All of these things affect our epigenetics. So just because you are predisposed to something doesn't mean that you have to be plagued by that. Like we have the ability to change that based on our expression of genes, which is greatly affected. The number one effector of that is our lifestyle, the environment in which we live. So it's pretty awesome to think that we do have power over our brains. Of course, there are some things that are really challenging to get rid of. And I'm not saying that food has a power to heal everything. I do believe that there's a time and a place that people need medication. So first and foremost, if you have depression or anxiety and you are struggling or having thoughts of suicide or just really negative, harmful thoughts, you have to get help. This is not an answer 
right away. You have to get help first and foremost. This is an answer to say that yes, if you are struggling in these areas, food can greatly change the way you are feeling. And after you've gotten help, these are some great tools to use. Now, if you're just someone else who maybe doesn't struggle in that way, but you do want to get rid of brain fog, you do want to just be a happier person, you do want to sleep deeper. These are some things that can really, really help you. So like I said, all of the recommendations I'm going to give you are going to go back to healing nutrient deficiencies, to preventing the chaos inside the neurotransmitters, to fixing your GI tract, and fixing the way your genes are expressed. Yes, there is full healing, and all the things I'm going to tell you are going to help that. So we first want to start by eating things that are less inflammatory. What I mean by that is that there are foods in our food system that are inflammatory causing agents, meaning they are inducing an immune reaction inside of our body. So like I said, gluten tends to be one of the biggest influencers of this, but also eggs and dairy are the other two. Now I would start by, like if you had to give up something at first, I would start by giving up gluten because I would say most of the research links back to this idea that gluten is really causing an inflammatory response inside the brain. It's causing this chaos. And not only that, but it's a great influencer of gut health. It's really creating a lot of gut permeability, which is also creating then blood-brain barrier permeability. So gluten has like a multifaceted problem inside the body is that it first starts by having an inability to get digested. It's like these proteins that are really intertwined and mingled together. It's the protein called gluten, which makes for a really fluffy, delightful texture. But that fluffiness is just this entanglement of proteins together. And your body actually has a really hard time breaking it down. And when those proteins don't get broken down well, then they pass into the intestines. And over time, this undigested protein is going to kind of wear away at these tight junctions that we have inside our cells, meaning the cells, the one layer thick cell wall that we have inside our gut is going to spread out a little bit. Like it's going to cause a little bit of inflammation, causing a gap in those cells, which allow these proteins to then escape from the intestines into the bloodstream, as opposed to just letting your body dump them out to just excrete them in your bowel movements. These are now passing into our bloodstream. And when a whole protein gets passed into your bloodstream, your body is going to attack it because whole proteins are not meant to get into your bloodstream. We're meant to have the digested form. So like think about a carbohydrate, like something like gluten. It should get broken down into single carbohydrates and amino acids. So all proteins should get broken down into specific amino acids, but when they're together as a whole protein, it mimics something like a virus or a bacteria, which enters your body as a whole protein. And that's going to send out this immune response to attack that. And when we see this immune response, we always see inflammation go along with it because inflammation in the short term is a really great thing. It packages up those toxins and, and whatever's being produced in that toxic state and trying to get rid of it. But long-term, when we, when we repeatedly consume something like this, we just have excess inflammation floating around throughout the bloodstream and in the brain causing chaos and a whole host of problems. As I say, the number one cause of degenerative disease, including brain diseases, is inflammation. And wheat is a big player in that. So not only is it causing the gut cells to become more permeable, what the research is showing is that's also then leading to a blood-brain barrier permeability. So now these proteins can maybe pass into our brain, causing more problems. 
So you can see how this approach happens. The same thing happens with dairy is it tends to be a, a, a source that whole proteins can get into the body. Now, some people, like I said, aren't as reactive to this, but we really do see a huge benefit from people reducing dairy in their diets. Not to mention dairy and eggs are the number one and number two feeders of viruses inside the body. So besides for sugar, I guess. So viruses love to feed on dairy and eggs and sugars. And so again, viruses are creating inflammation inside the body. So we wanna eat less inflammatory causing foods. And on the flip side, we want to eat more fruits and vegetables. If we go back to the beginning, we can remember the most essential components for our brain to function well and to create this house to keep safe the electrical impulses is glucose is such a protective heat barrier. Now I know everyone's like anti-sugar and don't do this. It's the right types of glucose. I'm not saying eat a ton of processed sugar. That's not what our body needs. But what we do know is glucose is essential for the brain. And one of the reasons is because it protects the body from heat. And so we need the right kinds of glucose. Now, ketogenic diets have been known to help with this issue too. There's a book called Grain Brain. Um, Ketogenic diets that are the ketones can act as the glucose inside the brain. I'm not going to argue which is right and which is not. I'm just going to say that for the history of time, we have been a people who have consumed healthy carbohydrates and been really healthy because of that. So I'm still a proponent of fruits and vegetables and eating quite a few of them actually. So I'm never going to be one that encourages the lack of fruits in the diet, just simply because I feel like it's such a protective barrier. Not to mention, one of the reasons that we know that glucose is so important inside the brain is because think about what you crave when you become anxious or depressed. Probably carbohydrates, right? Your body is crying out for this heat protection to come inside the body, and so it's gonna start signaling that you need sugar to protect it from the heat. But the problem is, is that most often we're reaching for the wrong kinds of sugar. We're going to process things like chips and crackers and ice cream and all these quote unquote comfort foods when really all your body needs is fruits and vegetables. And those fruits and vegetables not only provide the glucose, which is a protective heat barrier, but they also provide the antioxidants, which produces, which helps package up the oxidative stress that's happening by the off-put of oxygen in these electrical impulses, not to mention it's producing the electrolytes to help with these electrical impulses and the neurotransmitters around them, again, as the protective barrier. So fruits and vegetables really provide the whole gamut. They provide the minerals, the vitamins and antioxidants. They provide the glucose sources. They provide the fiber, which helps with your gut bacteria, which helps with the gases that that's putting off. I mean, fruits and vegetables are the epitome of a healthy brain. If you want to fix your brain, we have to include more fruits and vegetables into our diet. And I would go as far as to say is to make them the foundation of your diet. Yes, healthy fats are important. We're going to talk about them in a second. But the majority of our diet should really boil down to vegetables and fruits. And again, not only because of the carbohydrate count or the glucose that's in that, but because of all the other nutrients that are coming together to help our body work and the fiber that helps our gut to heal and to stay well. Now, what's interesting about this is I feel like there's been this huge, and this is a little side tangent, there's been this huge push for probiotics in our in our world. I'm not against that, but I have been a proponent that we can't just 
provide something that our body can already make, right? Like instead of just doing for our body what it can already do, we have to be a people who come alongside of our body and create the right environment for it to thrive. So my problem with probiotics is that we have just been doing for our body what it already knows how to do. The problem with doing for our body is that we don't do it well. Like we don't know all the intricate details of how our body works. Like we just don't even know a fraction yet of how health in our body works. Like it is so fascinating and overwhelming. And there's so many little pieces that have been designed perfectly together to make all of this happen. But when we come and we just think that we know what's best and we start doing that, I really think in time we've always learned that we've done a bigger disservice than we have a favor to our body. And so there's new research that's coming out to show that people who consume probiotics, especially low quality probiotics, that their chances of cancer is actually going up and disease is actually going up. And so, I mean, this isn't across the board. Like, of course, there are good probiotics that can help. But I'm still under the belief that rather than just pumping our body with something, which in time is probably creating its own imbalance of some sorts, even if you think you're pumping in a bunch of good stuff, over time it's probably creating some kind of imbalance between the bad and the good, which is really what we're going for. Kind of like the whole light thing that we talked about in the Red Light Therapy podcast. But if we provide the environment for our gut bacteria to thrive, that changes the game, right? And what's fascinating about providing the right environment is it's stuff that we know how to do. It was born inside of us and it is real whole foods, real whole lifestyle choices, nourishing things and rhythms that we've done forever that make a difference. And one of those is fruits and vegetables. We know that fruits and vegetables have a ton of vitamins and minerals, right? We know that they have fiber. We also know that they have glucose. And we try to separate all of these things. But what I think we don't know yet is how all of those things work together. Like, yes, we might know how they work alone. We know might know how vitamin C works by itself, but we don't know when you combine it all together into an apple or into a stalk of celery, how that is changing how it's functioning inside the body. We don't know all of these reactions yet. And that's what I think we have to trust, is that whole foods were designed for our bodies and for a reason. We don't have to know it all, but we just have to know it works. And so take the pressure off and just do what we already know, create that environment. And like I said, with gut bacteria, I'm not saying that we can't take a probiotic. I'm saying you shouldn't take it all the time, maybe just when you need it or once in a while, or definitely rotate them. That's why I like the Restore product. This is not a podcast to promote that, but I just thought I'd throw it out there because Restore creates an environment for your body to thrive. To end this rant, I've done a whole podcast on probiotics. I'll link it up in the show notes. But the bottom line is that we have to create the environment for our body to thrive, not do for our body what we think it needs, because that always gets us into trouble. So to end the rant on that, to go back to fruits and vegetables, fruits and vegetables provide the gamut. It's going to provide health for your GI system. It's going to provide the right nutrients for your electrical impulses to fire and also that protective barrier. So not too much heat is damaging the cells around those electrical impulses. And it's also providing the right environment for your genetics to be expressed in a healthy way. Another thing is, it's just more electrolytes, which you're going to find in more fruits and vegetables. But this is also why 
warm lemon water in the morning can actually help because it creates, it provides the water, but the additional electrolytes to create the right electrical impulses inside your brain. It is one of the studied ways that can help reduce anxiety and get your brain firing off on the right foot. So a glass of warm lemon water in the morning can really make a difference. And the last thing I want to talk about is fat. Now, fat's gotten a bad rap in the past, and I feel like it's coming back to say like, okay, we're understanding that fat is not as bad as maybe people made it seem. And fat is actually really good, especially cholesterol. Now, cholesterol's gotten a bad rap too, but cholesterol actually helps the body to reduce inflammation. And so, yes, while you have higher cholesterol, which often is linked to higher rates of different diseases, it's not because of the cholesterol. It's because you naturally have high cholesterol when you have higher inflammation markers in your body. So when we take away cholesterol, are we then taking away our protective barrier against inflammation? That's my argument. So we see cholesterol go up in different segments of our life, generally when we have higher inflammation. If you have an injury, if you're pregnant, as you age, those are all times when we naturally see inflammation rise and therefore cholesterol comes alongside of it because cholesterol helps package inflammation and remove it from the body. And this is really important because cholesterol will go to our brain and help package up our inflammation in our brain and bring it back to the liver to be processed and excreted. And that's what's awesome about cholesterol. But cholesterol is built from fats. And if we don't have enough healthy fat, then we won't have enough of this protective agent that can come in and help us get rid of inflammation. Not to mention, I mean, our brain is made up of fat, so it's pretty important. So making sure that you have adequate amounts of healthy fat inside your body is going to make a world of difference. But that doesn't mean that we have to eat all fats, right? Like I think when we look at the list of healthy fats, there's less of them than any other food group, but it doesn't mean they're less valuable. You don't have to eat very much to get the benefit, but just making sure that at every meal you have some sort of healthy fat, which I'll make sure and link up in the show notes. So those are some big tips to help your body reduce anxiety. Again, it's stuff that we probably already know. It's pretty basic information. It's not some crazy new idea, but just going back to understanding that there are some foods that are making your mood worse, and there are some foods that are definitely helping your brain to heal and to thrive. So again, the things that we want to focus on getting rid of is inflammatory-causing foods like gluten or these these high-allergen foods. Even if you don't test for them, You can be non-reactive on a test and still have the insult in the brain. And so don't let tests fool you. You have to go by how your body feels. Other things that you can do, like I said, is add back in more fruits and vegetables. Make that the foundation of your diet. Warm lemon water, making sure you have enough hydration. Again, electrical impulses, we're made up of mostly water. We need water inside of our body and making sure that in your water, you add an electrolyte to that, whether it's a pinch of salt or some kind of lime or lemon juice that can help enhance the benefit of that. And then just some other things that we could do. Again, our brains need minerals just like other cells in our body. And one of the number one deficiencies in humans that we really don't hear that much about is magnesium. And magnesium is a cooling mineral, meaning if you have all these heat going on inside your brain, magnesium can come in and help that relax and cool it down. And so magnesium is a really powerful thing. The World Health Organization has stated that they think about 96% of Americans are deficient in magnesium. And so it's a real big problem. And so taking a magnesium supplement, 
I say across the board is pretty safe for everyone, and that's why I'm going to recommend it here, especially magnesium glyconate. That's what I always recommend. You could do some kind of mag magnesium calcium supplement because calcium in small amounts is actually really important too, but I really do like magnesium glyconate. Again, it's going to come in and help cool the body down. Other things um, are L-glutamine, Calcium lemon balm tincture can be really, really powerful. And like I said, just lemon water or lime water can really help. But even outside of food, if we think about anxiety as too much heat inside of our brain, I think anytime you start to feel anxious, I want you to stop and I want you to question, how could I cool this down? And Fruits and vegetables tend to be cooling foods, so those are good things to go to, but also could I have a glass of lemon water? Could I take a minute to relax? Could I shut my brain off for a minute so those electrical impulses can stop firing and just cool down? So take a breather, take a step back, and again, this is where all the lifestyle principles that we're going to talk about this summer are going to come into play because we really do want to be able to cool ourselves down. Now, again, if you go back and listen to the seasonality podcast, you'll understand why anxiety in the springtime and in the summer tends to actually be worse than in the fall and the winter. It's because in the fall and the winter, our bodies naturally cool themselves down. But in the summer, as we heat up, we tend to get more irritability, more anxious, um, more stress because there's too much heat inside the body. And so that living and eating seasonally can help keep our body inside this balance. I talk about balance all the time because it really boils down to that. Like even when we talk about light, right? It's not that there's bad things. It's the balance of them that matters. Like our gut. Yes, there's quote unquote bad bacteria, but it's the balance of good and bad that make a difference. And having too much good, like they're finding, is actually a detriment to our health as well. So we need to be back in balance and start thinking, how can I support my body? How can I create a body of health? How can I create an environment to thrive rather than just trying to do for our body what it knows how? It just needs the space to do that. So yes, food is affecting your mood. I hope this helped explain how that's happening, why that's happening. And your big takeaway is eat more fruits and vegetables and less inflammatory causing foods. Think like, don't necessarily think I can't have those things. However, if you want to really heal from anxiety and feel the difference, you really do got to give up gluten because it takes a while to get out of your system. But instead of focusing on not having that, focus on all the things you can eat. Now, what's fascinating about this and the last point that I want to make is that you have to be aware because our reaction to foods does not happen quickly in many cases. Sure, there are sub substances like sugar and nicotine and caffeine that affect our brains very, very quickly, like within minutes. But most other substances can actually take up to days to fully affect our brain. And so we have to be careful about this is because it's not just going to make you feel bad instantly, but it could happen in a day or two from the incident that you ate it. So I want you to be aware, not just aware right after you ate, but aware for the next few days and start playing around with your diet. Start taking things out and notice if you feel better. Some people can't notice how well they're feeling until they add it back in and then they recognize like, whoa, that really is having an impact. Like I said, with my sister and I with gluten, it took us a while to really come to the conclusion that yes, this is making us irrational and angry human beings and we need to stop it. But I think you'll get to that point the more you're aware. So know that you need to be aware. 
How is food making you feel? Not just today, but how is it making you feel tomorrow when you wake up and the next day when you wake up? Starting to put the pieces together that food is either helping or hurting our brains in some way. It can't be neutral. It's doing one or the other. And the more things that we can provide that help our brain, the happier and more joy-filled we're going to be. So I hope that was encouraging to you. I definitely hope it's not more overwhelming because overwhelm equals more anxiety and that leads to more problems inside our body. So I don't wanna do that at all, but I want you to break it down into simple things. Over in the blog, I'm gonna give you three steps where you could start with this. You don't have to do all three, but just pick one and start there and slowly start incorporating this into your life. The biggest thing is to understand that food is having an influence, whether good or bad. And if you start paying attention, you might recognize what's helping you and what's hurting you. And like I said, there are no two cases of anxiety that are exactly the same. So we have to be aware, but I also want you to know that you're never alone and anxiety will not take you out. It can't. So I want you to live encouraged and to know that there is great influence that you can have over your mind. And if you feel like you can't dive deep yet, this could be a great place to get back into the mind space and help reduce the anxiety enough to help give you the energy to dig deeper, to really release what hinders you, and to move forward and help. So that's my encouragement today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Like I said, it was not what I promised you, but I hope it was encouraging to you. And stay tuned as we continue on in this mindset series. Next week, we start our entire series with interviews with guests, on the show where that's going to go for a few months before I come back with a few solo shows to end the series. The last episode of the series will be that mindset guide, I promise you, as I work and live through this myself. Now, if you want to stay tuned on my journey and how this is going throughout the rest of the summer, please hop on my email list over at Simple Reds Wellness as I share weekly updates about what I'm learning about myself and how I can fully get well. I've started to include my email subscribers into my therapy sessions and what I've learned from my therapist and also started to introduce this new journey that I'm going on and I would really love for you to join. It's also a great way to connect and to stay updated with each other's lives. You can hit reply to any email and let me know how things are going or what questions you have. I really do love to stay connected and to help understand what we could be doing as health professionals to not just give you more information, but to help create the behavior change that works for you. Because more than just coming up with a new great idea, what I want is something that will work for you. To be realistic, to let your entire lifestyle irradiate this idea of health. To make health not just something you do, but who you are. And that's my greatest mission in life. And I am determined to find it. So stay tuned with me as we go about this journey and come back every single Monday for Monday Motivation. I hope you love those as much as I do, and they give you little practical encouragement to keep up your walk in this, to not give up, to be people who finish the race, not just start it and not just chase it, but to really stay in it until the end. So stay tuned for another Monday Motivation coming up next week, and then followed by the very first interview I have for you, We have amazing guests coming up this summer. Mike Foster from Fun Therapy, Hannah Brencher, who wrote the book Come Matter Here, Allie Worthington's coming back on. We have some psychologists, uh, authors, other speakers, and I even want to get a few of you to come on the show. So speaking of that, if you listen to Whitney Leone's show where she told her brave and untold story about disordered eating, I would love to have you come on and share your story and what you're learning. Because more than big ideas and science and research, 
I think what change is really going to boil down to is learning from other people who are in this journey. So if you want to be on the podcast, send me an email to alexa at semperancewellness.com. Let me know what your story is and what you hope other people can learn from the story that you've walked. So I would love to have you on. You don't have to be a professional speaker. The good news is it's just a podcast and we can work through that as it comes. So let me know if you'd love to be a guest on this show and we can talk more about that. In the meantime, come back Monday for Monday Motivation and I will see you back here next Wednesday for the first interview. Don't forget to head to the show notes to get more details on how to get started changing your food to change your mood. See you next week.